All right, well, we are in this series on loving like him, and one thing that's really helpful to know and kind of relieving to know is that we cannot do this without grace. We've got to have grace to be able to love like him. You just can't do it. There's too much involved in loving like him, you know, the, the awareness of people, what's going on, the being approachable, how do you become an approachable person? Um, the selflessness, the humility, the patience, the getting out of yourself. You know, that we need Jesus to, to, to work inside of us to get it done. Um, in fact, love can start to look pretty phony and unappealing when you remove grace from the picture. If you just try to do this in self-effort and on your own, it, it doesn't come out right. Um, and you know, it's easy not to try to do these things without grace because grace is really a foreign concept in our world. You know, when you cross the line morally and you know that you deserve to be fined, you deserve to be punished, to be disciplined, to be kicked out, to be led to the gallows, and then God offers you a get-out-of-jail-free card, and then he gives you the keys of the kingdom, when you know you don't deserve it, it changes you. You become somebody that you weren't before. And as you go on and as God continues to deposit grace into your life and keep receiving these fresh infusions of it, then you start to have the capacity to love like him. You know, it's just like that story of the woman that we read last week of Simon. That he, had, he had a dinner party, had Jesus over, and he wasn't real welcoming. And then this woman comes and she pours her life out. And the point of the story that Jesus says is, you know, whoever's been forgiven a lot loves a lot. In other words, that woman experienced a lot of grace, and because she did, she loved a lot. And that's the way it works. When it's poured out inside of you, then, then it comes out of you in, in, in buckets. Um, so, um, you know, to try to do this without, to try to love without grace is like, you know, like eating a cocoa bean from the, from the tree and thinking it's going to taste like Ghirardelli dark, dark chocolate. It'd be bitterly disappointing. And it is, you know, and so we've got to get this, this grace thing in place. Um, just some, uh, something that was written by Timothy Keller talking about ungrace in churches. He says, churches that are filled with self-righteous, exclusive, insecure, angry, moralistic people are extremely unattractive. Their public pronouncements are often highly judgmental. While internally, such churches experience many bitter conflicts, splits, and divisions. When one of their leaders has a moral lapse, the churches either rationalize it and denounce the leader's critics, or else they scapegoat him. Millions of people raised in or near these kinds of churches reject Christianity at an early age or in college, largely because of their experience. For the rest of their lives, then, they are inoculated against Christianity. I really believe that. There's a lot of people who've had this experience and they don't want anything to do with it. And, and, you, know, and you hear stories and you may have experienced it in your own life. I have. I, I actually got in. There was a season of my life where I, my major topic in life was grace because I was experiencing so much non-grace. I was experiencing so much you know, um, legalism and criticism. It was just ugly. It was ugly to be around. I, I could honestly say that it was easier to be around my, my daughter's soccer parents on the sidelines than it was to be at church. You know, that's just the reality. That's the way I felt. And, um, 
You know, and that's something we got to take. We got to learn this. This is it. You know, grace is, you know, that's the starting point for us. I read a story uh, that, that is told about Ernest Hemingway, the great American author. Very tragic life. And he was raised by devout parents. In fact, his grandparents went to Wheaton College. And uh, his mother, he was a very, you know, do whatever I feel like doing type of guy. He lived a kind of a wild life. And his mom did not appreciate it at all. She, she, in fact, got to a point where she did not even want him to be around her. Um, and then one, one year uh, for his birthday, she sent him a cake and along with it, the gun that his father had used to commit suicide. So this is the devout Christian woman doing this to her son, Ernest Hemingway. Later, at another, another year, she wrote him a letter explaining that a mother's life is like a bank. Every child that is born to her enters the world with a large and prosperous bank account, seemingly inexhaustible. The child, she continued, makes withdrawals but no deposits during all the early years. Later, when the child grows up, it is his responsibility to replenish the supply he's drawn down. Hemingway's mother then proceeded to spell out all the specific ways in which Ernest should be making deposits to keep the account in good standing. Flowers, fruits or candy a surreptitious paying of mother's bills, and above all, a determination to stop neglecting your duties to God and your Savior, Jesus Christ. Hemingway never got over his hatred for his mother or her Savior. You know, you wonder. Everybody's got a story. You can look out there in Hollywood or anybody. You know what? People have a story. In some, until you know that, you, don't, you, you start to understand why people do some of the things that they do. Um, you know, it's Christianity that offered the world something that it had never seen before in its grace. And it was scandalous. People, especially religious types, were offended by Jesus' pictures and demonstration of grace. How dare he say these people on the margins are closer to the kingdom of God than I am? After all that I've done, my efforts to comply with the written code, how dare he say that? And how dare he send his followers to those filthy goyim, those, those Gentiles, to proclaim salvation by grace through faith? Let's just wipe them out. And that's what they tried to do. They first they took out Jesus, and then, of course, he came back to life. And then they, tra- they, they, they track Paul down from city to city trying to knock him out and kill him. I mean, grace was, could get you killed. That's how scandalous this topic is. And yet it has such a, mag- a magnetic draw. It is so magnetic, and that's why people were drawn to him. Um, I, I, I found this interesting Bono from uh, the band U2. Um, He said this, the most powerful idea that's entered the world in the last few thousand years, the idea of grace, is the reason I would like to be a Christian. Though, as I said to the guitarist The Edge one day, I sometimes feel more like a fan rather than actually in the band. I can't live up to it. But the reason I would like to is the idea of grace. It's really powerful. Isn't that interesting? Um, So... um, you know, I, I, I remember reading this story, C.S. Lewis, the great British author and apologist, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia and some of Mere Christianity, some of his other books that he wrote. Great mind, great guy. And, and uh, one day he was uh, at a 
there was a conference and a bunch of theologians were gathered to talk about theological things and there was a, a discussion group in a room and uh, these theologians were discussing Christianity and other world religions and they're trying to figure out what made Christianity be different from other world religions and, and C.S. Lewis walked into the room they couldn't figure out what, what made a difference what, what made it different and then they asked C.S. Lewis well what do you think? Oh he said oh it's, it's grace and it was like he was right. It's grace. That's what makes Christianity different from every other religion on the world. Every other religion, you have to earn it. You have to jump through hoops. There's something that you have to do. You don't have a savior who pays the price for your wrong and invites you in through the simple gift of, of faith. Nobody else has that. So this is beautiful, wonderful, amazing thing. You know, a short, pithy definition of grace is undeserved favor. But Jesus didn't spend a whole lot of time defining grace. He demonstrated it in his life and he told stories. Um, one, one incident, if you want to follow, read the story, it's in John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. And uh, one day there were some leaders, religious leaders, who caught this woman in adultery. And you wonder how that happened. Did they set this up? I don't know. But anyway, so they caught this woman in adultery. And they drag this woman in front of Jesus. And they put her there in front of him. And, and then they, they were asking Jesus, okay, what do we do? Do we obey the law of Moses? Was the law of Moses safe? Somebody's caught in adultery, you stone him. So Jesus, what do we do? Now, it was, a, it was a trap. Because, yes, the law of Moses says if someone's caught in adultery, you stone him. But the Roman law says Jews don't have the authority in their country to, to, for capital punishment. They can't execute somebody without Rome's permission. So either way he goes, he's like, he's going to break one of the laws. If he doesn't say, well, we're not going to stone her, he's breaking Mosaic law. If he says, go ahead and stone her, she, they're breaking Roman law. So it's a trap. And you just think, what kind of people do that to somebody? That's a setup. It's cruel and it's brutal. Um, and you wonder, you know, what did they do to even catch her doing this. Um, and, so, and so Jesus is genius. And some of you know the story. He gets down, bends down, he, he writes in the dirt. He starts writing just... People, people try to figure out what was he writing, you know, in the dirt. Nobody knows what he was writing, but he was like... And then he stands back up. He says, okay, um, all of you who are without sin, uh, go ahead, throw a stone at her. And from the oldest, starting with the oldest to the youngest, he's like, you can see them, they just, they just start dropping their rocks and they walk away. And then they get to where nobody's there and Jesus says to the woman, uh, where are all of your accusers? Does anybody condemn you? And she says, no, no one. And Jesus says, neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin. That's a beautiful picture of grace and love. Grace in the first place that she was spared a death sentence that day. I mean, to be that close to people killing you with rocks. The second thing is, is the love that he did not say. He said to her, listen, you know, this life that you're in, it's, it's going to kill you. And you need to leave it. 
He knew what was her best. What does she need? Love, love does what's best for another person. It's not about feeling. It's what is the best that's needed for this person? And what was the best for this woman? She needed to leave that life. It was sin. And, you, you know, it, it's not going to get you killed with rocks today. But, you know, it'll gobble up your soul. It'll, it separates you from God. And you really, need to, you really need to change. And I don't know what happened. I don't know how she went from then on. But I, I believe she was impacted in a, in a big way. Because she experienced grace and love that day. So that was, he demonstrated it. And it just, it just threw people off. They, weren't, they didn't, hadn't seen that kind of thing before. And then, of course, even up to the end of his life, until almost his last breath, Jesus is demonstrating grace to people. This is from his crucifixion in, in Luke chapter 23, verse 39. So he's hanging on a cross. You know, he's already been brutalized. They've whipped him. He's bleeding like crazy. Um, he's dehydrated. And, and he's got two thieves on either side of him who also are dying. And then it, that we get, this is what happens. One of those criminals on one of, hanging next to him who hung there hurled insults at him and said, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Although he probably didn't say it with that much punch. You know, they're, they're struggling to even breathe on a cross. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our sins deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Wow. That man is in heaven today. Isn't that amazing? He didn't, he didn't do anything that Christians normally do. I mean, he didn't go to a worship service after that. He didn't give an offering. He didn't teach a class. He didn't lead a Bible study. He didn't, I mean, he has witnessed down through the generations to millions and millions of people. I mean, the story is read, but he himself in that moment, who he wasn't witnessing. And he's in heaven. It's like, it's, it's, it's like, is that fair? You can, you can live however you want to live. And in your last breath, you can say, Jesus, save me. You know, I'm, I'm turning. You, you know what? You, you can do that. And it's really not meant to be fair. It's, it's, just, it's just out of this world favor. You know, it's, it's saying we're not going to be able to, able to take any credit, any more credit than the thief on the cross did. I mean, this is a whole new operating system and it inspires praise and gratitude and love when you're impacted by it. I mean, I'm so thankful to God. I mean, the thing that comes up, it was a long time ago that this happened. I was almost 13 years old when I came to Christ. But, you know, I've been a hard-headed, stubborn guy, little kid for a long time. And I'm so, I regularly thank God for his mercy on me. That he, that, that I, 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 he finally let me come in. You know, I... He waited on me when I was just too proud. And I'm so grateful for that. Now to something uh, as amazing as grace. What is it that gets in the way of it? Um, and, and just a couple of things. One is just simply not admitting our own faults and our own failures, our own sins. You know, remember the other thief didn't ask Jesus for life. Isn't that sad? You had... You had Triumph and tragedy. 
on either side of Jesus that day. And, and the one guy, he just like, he, he could have had it. He could have done the same thing as this guy over here, but he didn't do it. He mocked Jesus. He insulted him. It's like, really? You're dying and you do that then? And people could see this. Jesus was different. I mean, this guy could see. How did he know that, that Jesus had done nothing wrong? I don't know how he knew that. I do know that when Jesus finally took his last breath, even the Roman soldier at the foot of the cross saying, well, surely this is the Son of God. I mean, people, they could tell something was different about him. And, and it's tragic that that one thief on the cross did not repent. So don't let your pride get in the way. Humble yourself and admit what, whatever it is you've done wrong. We just need to do that. that is, that's one of the things that keep us fresh and alive. We just need to clean, clean things out. Gives us a song in our heart. Gives us something to give away to people. And then there's another thing that comes that gets in the way. And it's, it's the result of the first one. It's, it's the resulting judgmentalism. When we don't own our own sin, we need other people's faults to dodge our own. To feel better about ourselves. You know, the Apostle Paul was so well aware of his sin. He lived with that. He said this in, in 1 Tim- Timothy. He said... Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Paul said that about himself. I am the worst sinner on the planet. So it's no wonder when you read Paul in his letters that he starts them with grace and he ends them with grace. Grace to you, grace be with you, and in sandwiched in between, you see grace being dropped all through it. It's grace, grace, and grace. Why? Because Paul was the worst of sinners and he was forgiven. And he knew, man, I have no hope without Christ, but he came in and he stepped, came to my rescue. So, to really love like Jesus, we've got to be grace-filled people. Love flows where grace grows. So how do you do that? How do you grow in grace? and Become more of a grace-filled person. So let me give you some. These are not... Um, This is not a thorough and complete list, but here's some steps towards being a grace-filled person. And these are on your notes if you want to fill these in. First of all, you just need to receive it. You need to receive it, okay? And and if you're a performance person, you know, it's like to feel good about yourself. Or maybe you grew up as a kid and and to get your mom or dad's approval or favor. You like had had to perform. You know what? You just need to lay that down. This is not about performance, you just need to say, you know what, I need this. I can't, I'm just going to receive what God has for me. So let's read the scripture together. This grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. So Paul received it. He had a grace to preach to the Gentiles. So it starts with confessing our sins, receiving forgiveness and, and the gift of new life. And then it's, it's not, it doesn't just stop there, but it needs to go on. It needs to be deposited into our life. You may have, um, you may, you'll find yourself at times failing somewhere. You, f- you fail in your finances or you fail in, in the way that you respond to somebody. You get really angry and ticked off or you have something come foul flying out of your mouth or you, you're messing up in your marriage or, you know, you're stumbling along somewhere and you're like, God, I, I just need help. I'm sorry. I, I don't know how to figure this one out, but would you... Please, just help me. Would you forgive me for this or whatever? We also can get grace by positioning ourselves. 
We position ourselves through very spiritual exercises. That's a whole study. You know, that, that's things like coming to a worship service. That's things like serving, serving like at nomadic shelter or serving the kids or whatever else. It's, it's reading the word of God, reading the word of God, prayer, fasting, solitude, submitting ourselves. There's all kinds of different ways that God wants to pour his grace into us. Those are not for performing for God so that he can say, oh, you're a good boy or girl. You got extra brownie points today. We do those things because we need God to intervene in our lives. And I'm opening up my soul when I participate in those exercises for him to do that. That's really, it's just positioning for grace. You know, when I, when I learned that that's what that is about, that reading the word of God was about me getting myself ready under God's funnel so he could pour into me. It changed the way that I did it. I, I, you know, because I'm a kind of a performance-based guy. And then that changed me. And so we got to receive it and just soak in it, marinate in it. Second thing is recognize your limits. This is for giving grace away to people. Let's read this verse together. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You know, there is so much. So this is now we're receiving grace from God. Now we're talking about giving love to people. Um, there's so much that we do not know about why people do what they do and what is going to help them to change. And too often our efforts to help someone with our pearls of wisdom can be counterproductive. Recognize how much that you don't know about certain people. You can say, why do they act like that? Why do they do what they do? I just don't get it. And then we criticize, we get on them. It's like, wait, back up. There's so much that you don't know. And, and part of the thing is we got to pull that telephone pole out of our eye. When you got a telephone pole stuck in your eye, your vision's not very good. I don't know if you knew that. You got to pull that thing out. And once you get it out, then you got more 2020 vision. Now you can see that the specks in people's eyes. You know, I mean, I, I was, uh, it was great. I was at the, the men's retreat at Alliance Redwoods was going on this week. And I was there Friday night and yesterday. And after the speaker spoke yesterday morning, we went to breakout sessions. And I was with somebody that I kind of know, and I kind of know his story and what his life's been like. But what's, guys, and I highly recommend this, going to this, because it's, I mean, just being in that atmosphere, you're, and you're relaxed, and you don't have any chores to do, and there's no phone to get, get on, and you're just hanging out there by the creek, and it's beautiful, and you're relaxed, and you're not rushing. And then you start talking about things. Every time I do it, I hear things in guys' lives that I've never heard before. And as this guy was sharing his life, how he was raised, I'm just like, oh my goodness, man, I just feel, I'm, I feel so sorry for you. And, and it's like, that explains so much about you. There's, there are things the way that he lives his life that I just did not understand. And when I heard his story of being raised as a boy, I'm like going, aha, aha. And so if we're going to love people well, we got to recognize there are limits, there are things that we don't understand because people are difficult to love. And they do things that are odd and hard and wrong. And we just need to be able you know, to be patient to see what, what's going on underneath the surface with this person. Third thing is be curious about others. It's kind of related. Be curious. Hmm. I wonder what's going on with them. James 1.19, read it with me. 
Everyone should be quick to listen, two ears, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Two ears, so you'll listen twice as much as you talk. Okay? So, be curious. Take it in. Take in information about people. What's going on here? Uh, it's the thing. Uh, I know a lot of us struggle with uh, getting upset, you know, uh, on the freeway with people cutting you off and stuff. Or, you know, anybody have a little bit of, you get upset every now and then with the way people are driving. And so I, I've begun to practice a new thing when that kind of thing happens. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what's going on in their life. You know, is, is there a woman giving birth in the car right now and they're rushing to the hospital? <laughs> That's why they're cutting me off. Um, is uh, he r- rushing to get to work? Is he upset? Just have an argument with his wife? I mean, what? You know, there's lots of things that have been going on in that motorist's mind, causing them to drive the way they're driving. And, and, and there's several things they do. One, one of the first things they do is, oh, thank you, God, I didn't get in an accident because that guy did not clip my nose in my car. And I'm so happy about that. And, and Lord, be with them. You know, I, I've changed from getting really angry, which is my normal response to, um, how can I bless this person? And I, and I usually have a little, if I don't get angry, I, I kind of celebrate. I go, yes, I didn't get mad. I'm so happy. I'm growing. I'm getting better. But think about all the things that, what, what is it that, you know, causes people to do? And just be curious about them. What's going on in their life? No, a fourth thing is stay close to the cross. Uh, Matthew 7, 5 talks about pulling the plank out of your own eye. And it's like, God, just pull that thing, whatever it is, um, take that out. Deal with your own junk first. Then you're going to be more able to help someone else out. And, and you know what? When you come from a position of God has been forgiving me, God has been gracious with me, then that spirit in which you approach somebody that you need to talk to is much gentler. And when God ever asks us to, to, to approach someone or, or to correct someone, it's, all, it's in a spirit of gentleness. It's not harshness and beating them down. And it's like, and we have to have that spirit in us. And the way you have that is when you're dealing with your own stuff. And God has been gentle with you and patient with you. And here's a, fir- a fifth thing. Stay close to grace-providing people. Be around the right kind of people who will give grace to you. And you'll marinate in it, okay? Let's read this together. Each of you should use whatever gift you receive to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So people, we have gifts that are a result of grace. And we exercise those gifts, grace is coming. And so you need to be around those people who have those gifts or that grace to to pour out on you. And do you have people that you know that, you know, whenever I'm around them, I, it just, they kind of, they know me, they pay attention to me, they know my story, they, they kind of notice things about me. They're tuned in, and, and it touches me. You know, I was with, uh, again, going back to this men's retreat at Alliance Redwoods, um, I played basketball. My goal was to be the oldest guy in the tournament, and my second goal was not to get hurt. And I achieved both of those. I was the oldest guy, and I didn't get hurt. I was so happy about that and so I was just I didn't have a team so I just got teamed up with complete strangers and and uh they're good guys you know we 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 did okay we lost which was kind of good that we didn't have to play again okay and then I didn't get hurt so um after the game one of the guys uh Jericho is his name and uh it was you know how it was like this guy I just love talking to him 
we both played tennis and basketball in high school. And he's, he, I don't know, he was a good listener and he was tuned in. He's asking me these really, really insightful questions. Like he said, he found out I was a pastor and he asked me how long. He said, how have you done it for so long? How have you not given up? I'm going, wow. You know, that's a question a lot of people don't ask. How have you done it for so long? And then he would just keep, he just, I was like, this is cool being around this guy. And whenever, but then after basketball, I went and played volleyball. And, and, uh, and he was watching us play volleyball. And in between games that come and I'd sit by and we'd talk some more. And, and, uh, and he would just, we, it was just great. I was like, I wish you were my, fr- I wish you were in my, lived in my town. I would go out to lunch with you. I'd hang out with you. I mean, it was like, you know, and there's people in your life that you can find that are like that. And then they just pour, they pour some grace on your life. And then you have something more to give, you know, love to others. So stay close to those people. You may not have a lot, maybe one, maybe two. I don't know, but, but know those people. Last thing. This is interesting. Lead a holy life. Until this week, I never thought of this. Leading a holy life is a way to increase grace. I want to read this and let me explain it. Uh, yeah, it is now good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Okay. Why does leading a holy life help grace to grow? Here's why. Because every holy act has to be supported by God's grace. Think about it. God has asked us to live a certain way and we cannot do those things without them and it takes grace for us to do it. How many people have you had to forgive that you said, I cannot forgive that person? And you say, God, give me the grace to forgive that person. And then he gives you, and you find yourself forgiving that person and maybe even loving them and caring about them. I've had that experience. It's like, that came from heaven. That was not me. To do a holy act like speaking the truth in love. Some of you have a very hard time telling the truth. You may be a people pleaser. And so you don't tell the truth very much. You, you avoid it. So how are you going to tell the truth about something? You're going to have to ask God to help you do it. And some of you don't have a hard time telling the truth. You have a hard time telling the truth without being harsh. And smacking somebody upside the head with a two by four. How are you going to tell the truth? Speak the truth in love. You're going to need grace to do it. You're going to have to take the narrow road. It takes grace to do that. Or being generous. Hey, I'm a stingy person. I don't like to give my stuff away. I worked hard for this. God, you're going to have to help me to be that kind of person. Honoring your boss. I don't like my boss. Can you believe the things they asked me to do? How much? You need grace. Respecting my husband. Respect my... Do you know what he's like? Do you know what he does with his, his clothes? You know what I mean? We can go on. You can go on and on through all the things about living a holy life. It's like, how can I do that? By the grace of God, you can do that. And I can do that. I think... I think uh, so, there you go. That's, that's worth a lot of money, that little statement right there. Lead a, whole life, lead a holy life and grow in grace. It's great. So I want to pray. You know, we need to be grace-filled people. We need to uh, fill the, uh, you know, when we're around this community, that needs to come off of us. It needs to come off. It needs to hit other people. Grace. 
And then we need, and it'll give us love. When the more that we're forgiven, the more we're going to love people. And um, so I want to pray. And I, so close your eyes and bow your heads. Lord, um, we thank you that you gave us this beautiful gift of favor. We don't deserve it. We, and we never could do enough to earn it. But you deposit it into our lives when we come to you. So, this morning, if you're thinking back over your week and it's like, or the last month or year, there's something that you need to ask God to forgive you of. Can you think of anything? Why don't you ask him to do that right now? Lord, if anyone has done that this morning we just say in Jesus name they're forgiven and it's gone and help them to celebrate help them to love out of that place and uh, do you recognize that um, do you need to be able to see more clearly what's going on in people's lives to recognize your limits to listen, to try to understand where people are coming from. Lord, I pray for us that we would, we would have the uh, discernment and the patience and the humility to back off sometimes when we see people's behavior that's really different and odd and hurtful. God, help us to see what's under the surface, what's at the roots of people's lives. And help us to care for them in a way that's really going to be helpful. God, help us to stay close to your cross. To keep a clean account with you. That when, then, when we fail, when we sin, that we will ask you to, to wipe it clean, Lord. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to find those people that deposit grace into us. And Father, help us to be ones who exercise our spiritual gifts so that grace can flow freely, so that more love can happen. And Lord, where where there are things that you're calling us to do as your people, to walk a holy life, you'd help us to do those things. We, We admit we can't do them without your help. So help us, God, to do it and, and to just rejoice that you've, heaven has entered our space, our hearts, and you've done a work inside of us. So thank you, Lord. And may your grace continue to grow in us and may it be so abundant inside of us that we give it away. And may it cause us to be great, loving people. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. God bless you and be with you.